Remember, this is a Sunday episode, so now you're doing the intros on <gasps> Sundays. Oh my god, okay. Here I go. Get ready. Here I need go. some moral support. You are the second best intro <sighs> doer yes. on this team. Okay. Oh, that is good. That is good. Silver place. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of That's a Shame for Sunday the 28th. I'm giving away the date, I'm over it, (laughs) of May 2017. I'm Isaac and over here, virtually speaking, is Declan. Hello. Yeah, there you are. How are you doing Declan? I'm uh, I'm very well. I've been up for a grand total of 14 minutes. Good, and for context, it is a quarter past five in the night. Yeah, so I'm, that's a little I'm not, snapshot there. <laughs> I'm not just slovenly. I, I have been working nights. but That's uh, true. But I mean, uh, I'd be lying if I said it was vastly different from my normal schedule anyway. No, I mean, it's just objectively better not getting up in the morning. What is there? Bin men and birds. Yeah, and you get to hear, the great thing about staying up really late is you get to hear the birds anyway. Yeah. Taunting you as you aren't going to sleep or are trying to. <laughs> Taunting as the sun you. crests the hill. Yeah. In the Horrible absurd diddling. volume of light that there is. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a shame when you turn off like bedroom light and it makes no difference. Yeah, it's exactly as, as bright as before, just natural. And also when, because I use flux on my computer, which like, oh, for those who don't know, that's it, depressing, it dims your it? screen when it's sunset. So that your eyes don't like fry out of your own skull, which is very helpful. Recommend, would recommend. Um, but it knows when sun rises and what with it now being summer, if only in name in the UK, that's <laughs> about, feels like it's in about 20 minutes from now. I'm thinking about 6 p.m. The sun's coming back up. Having oh, not even gone it's, down. Uh, it's earlier than that. And so like, I'll just be doing something calmly, listening to some song time in the background and then suddenly like, over the course of about five seconds, the screen just brightens as if it's deliberately trying it's, to blind it's me. It's absolutely horrible because my phone does it as well now. Mm. And, and you and can't really believe how white white light is until no. it's staring you in the face. It's the, the sort of the change in brightness at dawn and dusk is a real problem mm. for me in my job at the moment in that I get very panicked when I look out the window and see that the sky is sort of a, a, a bright blue and assume that it's, quarter to seven and I've still got all my jobs to do and I've just been (laughs) fanning about on the computer all night and then I look at the clock and it's like five past five (laughs) it's very upsetting it's uh it leads quite nicely into the story I was hinting at before we started oh that is a lovely segue may I say indeed are you a bronze award winning radio journalist uh, by chance look I don't like to (laughs) blow my own bronze trumpet don't like to throw my weight around the bronze studio uh, yeah, so this morning mm-hmm. uh, may have incurred one of the strangest and perhaps most damning complaints against me uh, ever recorded. Okay, this is a good setup. I'm so already I'm, in. I'm, I'm waiting to go back tonight to see if I perhaps even still have a job. Oh, wow. Uh, so... Let's just set for for a new listener. Say, yeah. imagine I was someone who just 
rocks up at episode nine like some kind of absolute Absolutely pervert. Yeah, and hasn't gone back to listen to the full back catalogue yeah. to hear us gradually become hopefully less inept in a, a gentle trajectory towards stardom. Um, yeah. Set the scene. So what is the job? Where so, can people find out more? <laughs> uh, there is so desperately little to find out that it can be summed up in the following sentence. I man the desk at a local hotel <laughs> during the night. Wow, you do make it sound... There's a certain poetry lacking from your description. Well, I like to think of it as, you know, like when Einstein worked in that restaurant or whatever he did. I can't remember. <laughs> did he? I haven't read about it. I don't think I, I know this like story. No, he got like some sort of boring admin job or some okay. like mindless task because uh-huh. it afforded him time to think. And I like to imagine that that's, that's what I'm doing. And I in like a way, to... would you say that this podcast is your E equals MC squared? Yeah. I just yeah. started it five months after I started the job. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it took you a while. You yeah, know, exactly. you don't have the hair for it. God, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's nothing to do. But people can find out more. I was I was going to say if they want to go back first, pause this now. Three point five will give you a great oh, grounding in the kind of madness that this find hotel out more life about what goes on. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it is a sort of cartoon hotel in yeah. many senses. Um, but yeah, like I say, there's almost nothing to be done. Mm-hmm. So I spend a lot of my time just on the internet if it decides to work. Oh yeah, that's and always good. This particular morning, I'd exhausted several of my first go-tos yeah uh, and so i was um clicking my way through the top videos of the week on the video mm-hmm. subreddit a classic exactly and i came across one that i knew i would find particularly fascinating which was a supercut a half hour supercut of all of the live television news from 9-11 oh a sort of uh an editing together of an as it happened that does sound harrowing um well yeah well like i was explaining this to my dad earlier uh telling him this story and i was saying that i I think it's something especially particular to people of our age of our generation Mm. that 9-11 does hold that kind of voyeuristic pull because we're old enough to remember that it happened yeah, I remember being there, but at the time, weren't necessarily quite aware of the magnitude of it. No, I don't think, and I don't think like anyone was obviously no, aware of how course. like significantly it would, it would hold up. Yeah, but le- least of all seven-year-olds or whatever. No, exactly. So um, I I thought that I'd watched every single one of these videos available, but this was seemingly a new one. Uh-huh. So. Um, because, it, I mean, it is, in the most literal sense of the word, spectacular, isn't it? It is a spectacle. And yeah, it's, it's, like, the, it's like a very singular event, yeah. the likes of which we have not seen and hopefully will not see. Gracefully, yes. So I settled in to click on it and uh, was watching away. And it was quite odd because the other videos similar that I'd seen were were real time. So they were you know, two hours long covering mm. from the very beginning to sort of when the second tower collapsed. And this one was only half an hour. So it was lots of quick cuts between all of the news stations at the most vital moments. Um, 
And I was about two thirds of the way through. And they were talking about all of the places that hadn't been hit, but that were being evacuated just in case. So, you know, they're on the new, they're, they're going, you know, the uh, Capitol building has been evacuated. The White House has been evacuated. The Justice Department has been evacuated. The UN has been evacuated. And then they said, all museums and monuments in Washington, D.C. have been evacuated. And just before this section cut away to the next one, a woman butted in and really loudly went, including the zoo. And, <laughs> and I wet myself. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Was How, she even part of the news team? Yeah, well, I, I think so. Helpful member but of she, the public. She hadn't spoken for about three minutes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and immediately afterwards, it cut. The bad news for me was that as it cut, it cut straight to a picture, to footage of the first tower collapsing. Mm-hmm. And also <laughs> at that moment, a guest came from behind me through interception to find me pissing myself laughing, watching the Twin Towers collapse. And there's just no way to salvage that as a concept. Anything you start with, like, let me explain, (laughs) just makes you sound like you get off on watching the collapse of a society and human life disintegrating beneath it. And I just... I panicked so much, and uh, what I did at first so was I started I just, masturbating. I just <laughs> I stripped off all my in for clothes. a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> I I minimised it, but then realised that that doesn't turn the sound off. So <laughs> there's this woman asking for more towels, and you've got you know more what more towels. I thought she said more the- towers. <laughs> oh, no, like to, to replace them. What are you going to do about them? it? It's not the immediate priority. Okay, we've got the zoo to evacuate. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she's asking for more towels, and underneath it, there's this tinny sound from my headphones coming of like people screaming of you know emergency sirens. Oh no! And she just, I mean, she didn't say anything, and neither did I. I didn't dare, but. The look she gave me, it was, uh, she may as well have come in to find me masturbating at the computer. Like, yeah. it, it, it's just on the it's same level. With that kind of uh, disrespect, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I and might that's how you lost your job. <laughs> I might not have a job, yeah. Oh, dear. Which Do you think is, uh, they definitely complained? Because that would be very... I, I don't know. It would be such a well, difficult complaint yeah. to convert without sounding... <laughs> Like you dreamt it because it's just so out there. Your it's like Russell Brand's story about how when he wanted, when he was like a full on drug addict for oh, yeah. a lot of his life and he was teaching English as a second language somewhere in London and sleeping with most of the students slash dealing them drugs. Um, he was going through some difficult times. Okay, guys, let's not attack him. <laughs> and he wanted to take some holiday. I think he just got a gig that he'd been paid quite a lot for relative to how much he'd normally been paid which is probably nothing and so he wanted to go on holiday for like three weeks and went to ask can i take this time off and they were like well no obviously not because that's not how having a job works (laughs) so that'll be a firm no from us and he just thought well he says like i I knew i was going on this holiday asking was just a formality at this point yeah i'd already kind of booked time off (laughs) in my head in my head yeah yeah 
And so he goes away for this holiday, comes back three weeks, a month later, whatever, just rocks up at the job as if nothing has happened. And for some crazy reason, this doesn't fly at, at English as a second language schools. And so he's called to the office and they ask him, just what, what are you doing? Where have you been? You went on that holiday, didn't you? And he said, I didn't go on that holiday. They said, well, where, what were you doing? What, why did you take all this time off? He said, I didn't go on the holiday and you can't ask me any more questions about it. I've got AIDS. And then he just leaves. <laughs> and he, he obviously, when he recounts his anecdote, deeply regrets ever being in the mindset to make light of the terrible tragedy that is AIDS to justify his holiday. <laughs> but at the same time, he has found that point of reference at which it's so out there that there's nothing you can say what, yeah. about it because you can't call someone on you haven't got AIDS, AIDS. you liar yeah you haven't you dreadful <laughs> that's, idiot that's how you end up as like one of those shareable channel four news videos you see on, yeah. uh, on facebook that has no sound but helpfully subtitles yes did you see the one that was going around yesterday of uh, an ex-conservative councillor who's doing some fox hunting illegally because it's illegal <laughs> yeah did you see this video? No. Or no? Well, so it's filmed by, it's in Yorkshire, I think. Shout out to our Obviously. alma mater. And um, they, I mean, they look like such insufferable pricks when they go fox hunting, which is helpful because they are insufferable pricks. <laughs> it's nice that the uniform demands that they flag that up early. Yeah, they don't get like cool Gucci suits for it. No, they're not going dressed as like the Incredibles when they all no. team up. Like Frozone's going to come skiing along on a horse's back to tear the life out of a poor inanimate fox corpse. Well, yeah. Um, and so this woman is filming to try and... I don't think she knows he's a counsellor at the time. And I'm not sure that he was a counsellor at the time of it being filmed, but he certainly had been. Yeah. And so she's filming with a view to kind of reporting it to the police that people are apparently quite routinely just ignoring the law in very rural areas because I mean, who's going to find out if you've got yeah. private land and foxes come on it, then it's like Texan castle doctrine yeah. that you're just allowed to tear them apart. Apparently, Do whatever you want. <laughs> and law so this no guy rocks up. Yeah, exactly. So that he rocks up on his giant horse with his giant red, I'm a dick outfit and his black hat. And she's filming him and she's like, She's got quite a thick Yorkshire accent. She's like, you were fighting them foxes, weren't you? I don't think she said fight it. Fighting. <laughs> you were fighting them foxes with a dog, weren't you? With dog. And he's like, he's very posh, of course, as you'd expect. And he, but he does that thing. There's always this um, particular kind of awkwardness that you see in videos where someone's being filmed against their will, where they kind of smile because they're, it's performative, but they also can't really disguise their fundamental hatred for what's happening. Yeah. You can't really do anything. It's not illegal to film someone, but at the same time, it feels like such a violation of yeah, exactly. You're going around on a horse tearing foxes. To yeah, shreds. and so he's doing this really horrible sort of awkward banter. Like, oh, well, you're you're filming me, aren't you? You want to get a good look. And at a certain point, he doesn't say anything for a while, but he pulls out his own phone to to do either probably fake film her, seems yeah. to be the go-to, just to make her uncomfortable. And she's having a go about him, uh, you know, fox hunting. And he just pauses for a while. Says, you know, I'd quite like to shag you. And she just, she's like, sorry, you, you what? <laughs> what? He's, uh, you're rather pretty. I'd quite like to shag you. She said, oh, I'll tell my husband that. And then it just becomes this, really odd 
like he's he's done the same thing. He's taken the conversation in such a bizarre tangent yeah. that no one saw coming that it's really disarming. And you're just like, well, wh- where do you go from there? You That's said all very so well, but weird. what about the foxes? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you, you know, you can keep that to yourself. That's fine. <laughs> it's not going to happen is the likelihood because you're covered in fox blood and that's frankly not an arousing no. character. It's just, um, there are certain things you can come up with. There's a concept in hypnosis. And when I was really into Darren Brown, I was like 13, 14. Don't act like it's a phase that's over. Oh yeah, I'm not saying I'm not now, but I was especially, that was like oh, the peak of my first becoming interested. His show in New York is apparently doing very well. Good review in the New York Times. Yeah, I saw, yeah. Good on you, Darren. If you're listening, at That's a Shame cast, send us a tweet. We'll see if we can fit you in on the show. Love your ghost train. Big fan of the ghost. Yeah, this is our second Darren mention, and he's not even emailed. No. So. Well, we haven't told him, <sighs> to be fair. I would have thought that someone would have kind of, it would <laughs> one of disseminated One of his to him, people. Yeah. His spies. His little ravens that he's These got. These fucking the idiots are talking about you. <laughs> um, but yeah, the concept is that in stage hypnosis, the whether or not it's nonsense is a mystery even to those who successfully perform it every <laughs> night. But the one of the fundamental tenets is this idea of a pattern interrupt. And it's why you see... The handshake induction is what Darren Brown does, and it's quite popular, where you go for a handshake. And because when someone puts their hand out, it's a very automated autopilot response yeah. to put yours out, shake it. And then as you reach, they grab you by the wrist and like put your hand in front of your own face. And it's the theory goes, and clearly there is some merit to it because it does work. Yeah, The theory is that disrupting something as fundamental to your understanding of how like day-to-day interactions work as a handshake completely it just puts you out like it disengages the critical faculty for enough time that you're more susceptible to suggestion or whatever that's really interesting it is interesting and so that's why if you need time off work just shout about having aids yeah and it, it will work you just, will be an immoral just grab your being. boss's hand shove it right in his face <laughs> you won't have a fucking clue what keep make sure you're projecting live footage of 9 11 if possible, yeah, <laughs> behind them at the time. You want to like just create an projecting it onto a big sheet thing. that you've hung up in his office. Um, <laughs> I on on the other end of the scale, um, another story that I've been saving for you that I know that you, in particular, if nobody else, okay. will really enjoy mm-hmm. is um, I was asking about how m- the position that I have became available, and uh, someone said, "Oh yeah, we we used to have a." Uh, another night porter because there are two I don't do every night mm-hmm. um, but uh, one of them had to uh, well he got fired and I was like oh really and they went yeah it was uh, it was quite sad really because he'd worked here for about 18 years um, wow and he'd been the night porter here for 18 years and he was like 60 odd or something like that like they had to fire him and I was like why what 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 was he doing and uh, the receptionist went, well, he was uh, he was sleeping on the job. And I was like, well, you know, okay, it's not great, but you can't deny a six-year-old bloke who's worked there for 20 years an hour's shut eye in the chair when no, nothing's happening between four Especially and five. Especially his very presence as yeah. an old man night porter is creating a kind of hotel vibe exactly. that you would see in a cartoon. You just need it there, yeah, if, if only for the facade. Um, and she went... Oh, no, no. And I went, oh. And she went, Ben, the manager, who was uh, living on site at the time, 
mm-hmm. came down in the middle of the night once to get something from the office. And it turns out this bloke was bringing in full sleeping bag, pillows, duvet, and just sleeping <laughs> on the floor of the office. <laughs> wow. That's lovely. What a commitment um, to procrastinating your own I know. career. And they, they like went back through some CCTV and they've been doing it for like years. <laughs> I like the idea that you could rewind. They have like a, a file that's 10 years of CCTV and you can stop it at any point and he's well, they, statically they, asleep. Well, they, like, the they went position. back through like the last couple of months and then they, they had some, I think, from a previous incident or something and they just like checked and, and there he was. And then they asked, <laughs> they once they knew it was fine, they're like, what have you? And he was like, yeah, like, I've always done it. Did he come clean though? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I imagine he, he was, was like, an honest gentleman. Imagine. But That's I was like, great. there's, there's a certain bravery in that kind of apathy. Yeah. It's a great attitude there, to have. That it's just, I don't care. I'm bringing it in. <laughs> like, because obviously when you turn up to start the shift, there are still people there. Like normally the manager is still yeah. up. There'll be, so he's coming in setting up as if he's gonna you know he's got a full night ahead of him maybe got a bottle of drink book to read he's <laughs> popping his keys down and then around 2 a.m once everyone's fucked off out he goes to the car open the boot out comes <laughs> this like huge bag of, of he's yeah. got a gazebo that he pitches up bivouac and just sets up in in the office i'm right? surprised he didn't but, rent himself a room <laughs> yeah that seems he like if he'd been there for another few months <laughs> that's where it was they just found him in the penthouse suite yeah in the bridal rooms <laughs> all dressed up like miss havisham yeah i feel because, like asking um the question of how your job became available is asking for trouble because oh yeah it's a bit like asking a an estate agent a realtor for our American and Canadian listeners. Um, like if anything, if there's anything you should know about the house, you're never going to find out. Everyone who's lived here has had a lovely, safe, <laughs> not murdered by their family life. And that's not a blood stain. The previous owner just loved ketchup. You're just inviting more knowledge and the burden of truth. Yeah, I'm, I know. I, I think I was just kind of intrigued because I think that the, the other night porter who's still there had been doing it by himself for about nine months or so. Oh God, he must have gone all Jack Torrance. I know. <laughs> well, I think that... this may have been why they decided to sort of bring someone else in. But <laughs> um, no, he's lovely. But so was Jack Torrance. He was before the old typewriter yeah. turned him mad. If I've understood <laughs> the shining. <laughs> it was all about haunted typewriter. Haunted. Stephen King's pastiche, his real lampooning of the writing industry. Being a novelist, man, it'll drive you crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I think that they, yeah, they were worried that it, it doesn't do a man any favours to only live in darkness <laughs> by yourself. Really? So... But I was wondering, yeah, if you've been doing it for that long, what was the what was the situation beforehand? I was so glad when when I found out the truth. <laughs> I yeah. like I've never met this person, but I I kind Deep of respect. really really idolise him. Let's get him on the show. I'll see if I can find him. At that's a shame cast <laughs> if you're listening. I like it's, the idea that anyone that we mention is just definitely listening. Of course they are. Because it would be weird if they weren't. Yeah. And I shan't but, even envisage a world in which that's the case. There's, um, it's, it's quite a weird thing at, at the hotel working there at night because obviously I only ever interact with the same 10 
other employees, sort of the ones mm. who are coming in in the morning very early as I'm leaving and the ones who are still there at night when I get mm-hmm. there. But there's a whole roster of characters who are there in the intervening period that I've never seen but hear about all the time. Ooh. So it's kind of like Maris in Frasier. Have seen that? How some of, some of these people have nice just been, contemporary reference yeah. for our audience. Fuck <laughs> off! Oh if, if our listeners haven't watched Frasier, <clears throat> then I don't want. Them. Yeah, that's on you guys. So, yeah, uh, where these characters have just been built up to such a a caricature that mm. I just I can't ever meet them because <laughs> I, I I, no no physical appearance could ever fit some of these people. <laughs> the hotel's got its own. Malcolm Tucker. Ooh, what for? Why uh, do you need anyone whose job it is to just shout? Well, the point is that we don't. He's he's just there <laughs> like a force of nature. Wow. And uh, what is his role? I hope it's something incredibly minor. No, no, he's he's one of the sort of. I don't know if he's like an owner or like a company wow. director or something like that. <clears throat> he's someone fairly high up, but has no experience in the hotel business, seemingly. Um, doesn't mm. seem to know what he wants. We've had three managers in the six months that I've been there. <laughs> good, good um, sign. Eight of uh, them have been asleep yeah. every few minutes. <laughs> but he, uh, it, you know, I heard about him in you know like in whispers at mm-hmm. first, and they're like, "Oh, Colin's coming in tomorrow." People, oh, everyone's heads drop. <laughs> not Colin. Oh, I'm not ready for that. And then you sort of you hear more, and you're like, "He's the angriest man." Oh, nice. He's just, there's no one, there's no one angrier. And then what's really nice is like other new staff join, like new receptions to join. And uh, <clears throat> someone mentions Colin in front of them. And I still haven't met Colin, but they have, even though they've only been there for like a week. <laughs> because yeah. they're there during the day. And I go, oh, I've, I've never met Colin or I've never seen Colin. And they could turn around and go, oh, you'll hear him before you see him. <laughs> like, wow. Whoa. He's what such reputation. a mystery. I know. But I I just can't fathom being that angry about anything happening in such an inconsequential <laughs> dump. A place that just exists <laughs> to facilitate sleep. Yeah, well, because uh, our new manager, who's uh, I've mentioned before, is is a great guy. He um, He said that, his first sort of meetings with them were just ludicrous because they have no idea what they want. Like they don't have a vision for the hotel. So they're just doing like grabbing for any single penny they can. And uh, he's like, on our website, we describe ourselves as a boutique hotel. But three months ago you had a faulty towers dinner. (laughs) (laughs) that is the absolute antithesis of yeah people don't want to have their twenty thousand pound weddings in a room where someone was playing an indian manuel yeah (laughs) or a white girl was fake tanning her way into a a racially questionable (laughs) beyonce impression yeah so we should have put up some pictures of that Maybe we have by the time I this have. Comes I've up. tweeted the business card. Okay, and we'll we put can, something on our we website. We put some more out. Yeah. <gasps> Do you think our website will be out by now? Oh, almost certainly. Okay. Well, let's talk about that a bit. You well, you're the expert there. Well, no, not really. But I, I, there's not a lot to say other than that. 
we might, by the time you're listening, have a website. But follow us on Twitter at that's shamecast, and we'll tell you. We found a hell of a domain name for oh it. Oh my though. god, I'm so excited. Um, and if we haven't, for some reason, bought it by the time you hear this, and you give that a check for some reason because you're a sociopath, don't buy it, or I'll personally ensure your demise. <laughs> um, it's shame dot city. So we're going to refer to it as Shame City, as if it's some mythical place where yeah. just everything we hate. Is it, is the idea conceptually that everything we talk about that is a shame dwells within the walls of Shame City? Yeah, or like is it the last bastion, an archipelago away from the shame? No, no, it's it's where the all the shame resides. It's like Twin Peaks. Okay, I like it's that. It's like this mad place, or the island from Lost, maybe. So I'd go there and I'd walk down the main street and every theatre would be playing Hamilton. Back to back. Yeah. What else with would a, be there? What are with some a of our two hour shows? introduction and then summary by it. What Lin about Manuel when Lin Manuel Miranda, who uh, is a shame, <laughs> <laughs> what about when he was introducing the girl who did the voice of Moana, whose name I can't remember? I might look it up though because you know we should promote people who are in, actually talented who are, who aren't and who are already doing really well in Disney films. Yeah, <laughs> um, she was singing at the Oscars, and I think it was her. She's quite young; she's like sixteen or something. Yeah, and I think it was like her first live performance of this song, which is like the iconic piece, the the big moment, the "I Want" song in Moana. And before it, it wasn't enough for her to just come out and sing for Lin Manuel his song that he'd written music and lyrics to having just won every award going everyone goes on about how great he is he wrote a show put himself in it as the lead put himself on the poster gave himself the immortal opening line my name is alexander hamilton which uh will go down in the annals of history as a total shame <laughs> that's that's like that's like when you you open up dickens you know and you've got right, those that's immortal I'm first lines yeah <laughs> It was the best of times. It was a tale of two cities. <laughs> <laughs> what more is there to say? Yes. Scrooge was singing a Christmas carol. <laughs> but yeah, so she comes out, she's introduced, and now to sing, her name is... Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to say it's Auli e Cravalo. Auli wow, e Cravalo. You've absolutely adelderined that. No, I think that's actually accurate. <laughs> I, I will listen to it afterwards, but tweet me out. That's a shame cast. If you have a better understanding of the Hawaiian name pronunciation, uh, you know, general idea. But anyway, so she's introduced now to sing the song, whatever name I just said, but pronounced properly. <laughs> and the curtains part and standing there is Lynn Manuel, who not content to just let her get on with it, wrote himself a little 16 bar rap to introduce the concept that he had to perform at the Oscars. What, a dreadful narcissist. He I hate be. him so much. He's, he's got also just such, ob- no, such a punchable face as well, yeah. doesn't he? He's objectively bad performer because he sounds like Kermit the Frog, but not in a good way, like Kermit the Frog. There are very few people, <laughs> in fact, only one, who can pull that voice off, and it is the eponymous Kermit Frog. Yeah. But imagine writing a musical. Like, okay, the Hamilton's clearly... A success. I didn't think we'd get into Hamilton so early, actually. I was going to no, ease people into this. But, but, <laughs> but let's, very just, strong opinion let's just that. dive straight into this fucking mess. It's a critical and, more importantly, for musical theatre, a commercial success. Yeah. So there's something there that appeals to people. 
and speaks to them on a big, like in a big way. I could tell you what that is. Go on. It's that if you like Hamilton, you can pretend to be in some way politically or historically informed without ever actually having to bother mm. to look anything up. You can say yeah, that you went to this show and you enjoyed it and you know some of the words to it and it was a show that attempted to use the music of disenfranchised people to tell a historical story and that, you know, we used, uh, you know, mixed casting to just really like hammer home the diversity of this. And you can watch that, enjoy it, know by the songbook, and then you can pretend that you are in some way <clears throat> politically active. Mm. Uh, and really, all you are is a an absolute pawn in the commercial <laughs> game on Broadway. That is Broadway. That they Stuart. have absolutely suckered you in mm. <laughs> and made you believe that you are in any way knowledgeable or informed when in fact you are just a ticket sale. Yeah, it's uh, cynical, but then the whole musical theatre industry is, well, the commercial musical theatre industry is just cynical and yeah. it's just about ticket sales. Stuart Lee has an appendix in his book about why musical theatre is the most bereft art form of all. <laughs> it's amazing. I'll, I'll put a link. There must be, I think it's reproduced from an article he wrote. Right. So there must be a link somewhere. So I'll put it in the show notes or tweet it. We don't do show notes. Don't know why I said I'd do that because I'm never going to start doing show notes. No. God, no. Imagine the effort. But yeah, so the, there are positives to the Hamilton experience. It's a great thing that uh, a very white, privileged industry is being uh, the acting industry, and this is and like stage acting in particular, is being opened up to people of color and people yeah. of ethnic minorities yeah. to perform roles that are like Alexander Hamilton was white. So, well, yeah, yeah. So it's a nice idea, and I think that's a good thing. Well done. It's also a nice idea that, um, like you say, to tell the story of a, a more or less disenfranchised person arguably, in the language, the musical language of a modern day, the same kind of thing, of a, an ethnic minority, the language of hip-hop. That's yeah. a cool idea. problem I have with that is, like, it's not a, a big deal, really. It's just not very good hip-hop. No. It's very Lin-Manuel. He kind of writes the same uh, style of what his idea of it is, which is fair enough. It's his show. But what I hate about it is the... Well, there are two things. The first is just that it's such a smug project. Oh, and like God. there is something just fundamentally horrible about writing something, putting yourself as the lead and just being so, I don't know, like, I don't know if it comes from a place of he just really is enjoying and like genuinely uh, is really happy to be where he is and to have done so well and wants to just engage. But he comes across as so insufferable and so like self-obsessed and doing stuff like rapping before a 16 year old about to sing her debut of the song that she made famous at the Oscars. Yeah. It's just so, I don't know, so unnecessary. It's well, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I don't have a problem necessarily with 
you taking part in something that you've created. No, of course not. And and that's fine, but it seems that he has to do that for everything that he does. Yeah. Like he didn't just have to be the lead in Hamilton and on the poster having written it and be the face of it and be the main one in the documentary and be, you know, the only one really or, or the people want to talk to on the news promoting it. But then having done Moana has to then gate crash this young girl's moment, like this yeah. peak of surely of her life so far performing a, a song at the Oscars and he has to just be there first. He has to it's, just, um, he, he has to stand up there and have his bit and put his face on it. And I hate him. <laughs> and I hope he falls down some stairs. Oh no. How many? At least two dozen. Oh wow. That's quite a lot. That's enough to kill a man. You're not publicly no, not. wishing for the, the no, death I, of a I beloved American said, icon. I never said <laughs> that I hoped that it caused his death. I just said that I hoped that he fell down. That falling downstairs can be comical. That's true. As well actually, as yeah. fatal. I reckon he'd fall down them, and as he was falling, he'd have an idea for another show he about a minor, a minor, actually problematic politician that we're going to paint in a, a great light <laughs> to sell tickets. And because we probably didn't finish reading the book about him that we were apparently basing the whole enterprise on. Have you seen the footage of him performing at the, it's like a scratch night at the White House several years before Hamilton ever became a thing. He performs like one of the raps that was going to end up in it. And the whole room is just baffled. Like it's actually quite good it's it's some of the better hamilton stuff yeah but everyone's just so confused by what he's doing because i assume that lots of the people there would have more than a passing knowledge of alexander hamilton the slave owner yeah <laughs> and would wonder why he was the particular choice to lionize in this fashion our friend toby has a, a good hot take on hamilton because he's a, a historian yeah and um is always happy to point out that it's uh, probably a little disingenuous at least to say, to kind of hold him up as this icon of yeah disenfranchised success. And maybe his story doesn't resonate with everyone, but no. what do we think about if we can separate my, our own response of disliking Lynn and disliking <sighs> Hamilton? Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing that, it exists in that it kind of stimulates dis discussions like like these, but not these, more positive about things like diversity in acting or just about America's past. Like, is it a broadly good thing that it makes people think a little? Um, I, I, I don't know. My only problem is, is that from what I've witnessed of the the two worlds of the Hamilton fandom and the Hamilton as a critical piece, hmm. Hamilton as a, as the, the starting point for discussion is that there's very little overlap in those two circles in that Venn diagram yeah. that the people who absolutely adore it are not the ones who are talking about it necessarily in any kind of intellectual sense and the people who are discussing it don't necessarily love the show so 
I think that the the problem is that the show needs to more actively promote an engagement, but it can't because if because it does, people will realise <laughs> people would realise that it's all based on a fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> They've invented some like love subplots to just yeah, like uh, which is the fundamental problem with it, which is that in order to actively engage, you have to admit that a lot of it is hokum. Mm. Um, I think that it's like you said earlier, like it's great that it's promoting diversity and equality in what is an extremely white privileged industry, but people need to recognize that that's perhaps the greatest success of it rather than, it being itself a piece a of artistic brilliance. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's fair enough. Like I go, this is another of my, I've actually held off quite a lot of my real feelings for the sake <laughs> of not just coming across as insufferable. But I think there's, you know, people like what they like and that's fine on some level. That's fine. But yeah. on another level, what I feel about it that upsets me is that it, uh, because it's so, different in terms of the amount of thought that's gone into things like music uh, which is not to say worse but for me is worse yeah then it just feels like it shuts off the conversation it kind of makes no longer viable as commercial prospects projects which have done those things and which have like committed to proper proper in inverted commas but a more traditional maybe like concept or composition yeah i feel like its success doesn't exist in a vacuum and because hamilton has succeeded the next 20 years will be people trying to do hamilton yeah exactly it's not going to be people trying to do sondheim yeah and i don't know if that's the best uh either either artistically not or just in terms of diversity of things to see i don't know that's ideal i've depressed myself now that is that's life, a shame. Though, isn't it? That yeah. is a big, great shame. <laughs> anyway, all of this sprung from imagining Lin Manuel in the window of a building in Shame City. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I forgot about Shame City. Okay, uh, I'm back. I'm back. I'm upbeat again. Yeah. So Shame City is going to be great. We've got Lin Manuel. He's in charge of all He's the music. Locked in a box. <laughs> it's mostly Lin Manuel. We've got someone that we know but won't name on air, who's in charge of all the a cappella covers. Yeah. Of uh, that have to be <laughs> uploaded to YouTube. That's going to be such a reveal. <laughs> this, this person is Al Maris. <laughs> Again with the uh, 2017 <laughs> up to the minute on the pulse references. What else would we have in Shame City? I'd have a lot of... Um... Every room is 208. Oh, yeah, okay, that's fair. And so baths full of tea, therefore. Yeah. But not nice tea. It would probably be that no. type of tea that tastes of uh, regret. Yeah. And makes your mouth all dry <clears throat> afterwards. Tetley's. What about... Here's something that's a shame that I tweeted about recently, at Isaac BD on Twitter. What about this thing that... Uh, you? There's a certain subsection of UK dwellers i think it there's a crossover with people who have considered themselves at one point in their early teens to have a potential career in vlogging 
but I'm not certain about that. Right. Probably they're also fans of Doctor Who, but again, that's not a slight against Doctor Who fans, because I realise that is a lot of people, some of whom are only watching begrudgingly because their children are interested in it. You're not selling this demographic to me as a demographic that I'll enjoy. No, well, I don't enjoy them, because they have this concept that if they go on about tea enough americans will think that they're cute and quirky and i just hate them for that because i feel like they're denigrating our entire once proud horrible histories <laughs> of oppression with, culture with imperialism yeah uh, it's just yeah. a shame it's this like uh, quirkiness factor that people think is kind of zoe deschanel adorable but in an english where it's like oh, just the things i do for tea that you see on instagram like endless posts of tea bags tea strainers tea accoutrement and i think it needs to stop paraphernalia if i may i i would suggest that we ban tea from shame city uh well no well we can't because it as we said it's where shame resides so all of these people i think this is a shame their, too far with all <laughs> so let's see this is where i draw the line shame city too a shame too far a shame too far <laughs> um that'd be good okay well i mean okay fine we will I mean, um, that that kind of mentality, though, is all from this horrific, clickbaity, buzzfeedy culture of here's 15 times that Brits really wanted tea. Everyone, everyone <laughs> Number clamoring. 14 will drive you crazy. Yeah. And everyone's just clamoring to have their tweet featured. So their they team pretend only. for just a second that they were in any way culturally relevant. And that their life will have meaning. Uh, rather yeah, than just being one blip in an endless space like ours. Yeah. Oh, depressed again. And I'm angry at these people for assuming that they can try and make <laughs> theirs more important than mine. Because it's, some as Sartre would have said, it's like a battle tea. of the wills. And we need our will to domi- our will to crush theirs, to dominate yeah. the very existence of this tea-based We're recording memory. three hours of <laughs> pure art. Absolute every, manifesto. Every, <laughs> every week. Their one tweet. Oh, what is that? To overtake us. What is that lazy? If I could report it as a hate crime, because somehow diminishing hate crime as a concept, (laughs) believe me, I would. Yeah, because I mean, we're we're doing the tweet thing as well, aren't we? Oh yeah, what's on Twitter again? Organically, Uh, at that's a shame cast. That's good. Let us know what you think of Hamilton. Also, I'd like to put out this general request. Okay. Um, Just because we haven't mentioned him in this episode, and he comes up every episode. Tim, our friend, has suggested that we should watch a program that goes by the questionable name of Sex Pod and relay our experiences. Now, is this something you've heard of? No. So I'm going to give it a goog, as is classic. Yeah. And it's a Channel 5 show. Entertaining series. It boldly describes itself okay. as. Answer, this is silly, isn't it? Don't lead with like that assumption. That's for me to decide. Answering people's questions about sex. So it's a vague premise. It's a proposition yeah. that would be difficult to compete with because it's just so banal. This sounds like the sort of show that you watch age 13 when you don't have internet access to find <laughs> pornography. Pre-porn. So you're just so you're just hoping to catch sight of a diagram of a tit or something. <laughs> well the daily Tim, is that what's happened? It. Have you not paid <laughs> have you not paid your broadband? <laughs> oh no. You better had have done because I'm staying at theirs. Oh yeah. Be fucked off. Shocking new TV show Sex Pod is to answer the public's most graphic questions and solve their X rated bedroom woes. Um 
The first episode sees a couple ask the experts about, quote, an orgasm issue. Uh, well, well there's, oh, there's too much there already. This is so perfect, though, because, so I've, or get, like, obviously I did not pre-prepare this link that I'm about okay, to draw well, we because I just opened Google Keep to look at my podcast topics list only to find that instead of that list, I had a to-do list open, which was mostly things like male chimp form designs. And I was like, I'm sure I didn't mean to talk about that on the show. I'm sure <laughs> even I wasn't going to stoop to something that dull after harping on about Lin-Manuel for an hour. But the first line of this Daily Mail article is, quote, being British tends to involve a love of tea, a fascination with the weather, and a prudishness about sex. So the Daily Mail there, specifically Martha Cliff oh, wow. for Mail Online, who you can tweet your thoughts to, I'm sure, perfectly exemplifying this stalwart of Shame City, the tea, the faux tea obsession. And combining it with another shame, the Daily Mail. Yeah, this Mail. weather. Oh, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> and the Daily Mail, oh, yeah. the greatest shame of all. <laughs> Um, but it sounds like, from what I gather, I think the pod, it also sounds like Shame Pod, doesn't it? Which was yeah. one of our original uh, cast-offs Thankfully, for the show. jettisoned away. <laughs> Immediately, as soon as possible. But I think they get into some kind of pod, and I think they might have to perform the act within right. this pod. Uh, God knows why they've chosen a pod as the ideal Well, Channel, Channel 4 had something like that. A couple of years ago, didn't they? They had the sex box. Well, that sounds about right for Channel 5 to iterate so, yes. so marginally <laughs> on an already established commercial well, idea. My favourite point about uh, the show, the Channel 4 one, was, as Charlie Brooker pointed out, is that they, they never showed the box like ever being cleaned in between people going uh, in. <laughs> so, I think they just had to break the box every our, time, just our smash only, it apart. Our only assumption is that these people are just going in consecutively. <laughs> Oh, running a train on the sex yes, box. so horrible. A horrible concept. All of which is to say that I think we should watch an episode of it, maybe this weekend, because we're seeing each other, to record... I oh, know, oh, yeah. where this is now in the past. Yeah. I've given the game away. Uh, but don't worry about that, lads. But we should watch an episode and relay our thoughts, just so that we are offering an element of interaction about the topic choice. Yep, you know what? I'm and on board. So, yeah, so I'm opening up the floor for if you want if there's something you'd like to get our hot take on and believe me we have them just stashed around just turned around to see a cupboard overflowing with hot takes all written on it scrawled on angry post-it notes in red biro with lots of crossed out like swear words then just tweet us at that's a shame cast and you know we'll get to it because this is a show for you as much as it is well not as much as it is for us no, but you're kind of you're secondary you're the second winner. You're there. Yeah. You're, you're up there with us. You're a priority. Yeah. I'm not the priority, but that's only to be expected. Yeah. It's only episode I, nine. It's, it's good of Tim to send this because I do have a lot of thoughts about people on shows like this who are brought in as sex experts. And what sex exactly, experts, you mean? Because, because it's always the exact same combination. There's your old white man professor... Uh-huh. Who's some sort of sex scientist. Professor of sex. Professor of sex at like some Rochester Polytechnic. Yeah, exactly. Um, using all of this as a front for his own perverted ideals. He never doesn't have an erection during no, the filming not process. even once. That's why the camera has to stay on a close-up of his face. Then you have um, third-wave feminist blogger. Yeah. Who's there to talk about um, healthy sexual balance between men and women. 
Yeah. And then you just have an absolute whore, man or woman, someone who <laughs> is just an absolute fiend. I'm thinking Russell Brand. I'm thinking Dapper Laughs. Oh, yeah, Dapper Laughs. Come on, lads. She knows. She uh, knows. She's in the six pod. Yeah. Uh, Batman's and a criminal. it's always those three. And they don't ever violently disagree, but you can see that they shake their heads at each other. And then and they I'm going to fuck afterwards in yeah, the sex pod. The professor's just wanking in the corner. The whole time? The whole well, show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. That's why they only show from the neck up. Powerful. Um, Powerful bit of TV. But I'm going to bet that there's some sort of dynamic like this. Yes, that seems like a fair bet. There is such a set of archetypes that all... Whenever you have a panel, they have to be like good cop, bad cop. There is a set yeah. of criteria that each has to fulfill. Otherwise, for some reason, TV audiences, it is believed, will just fundamentally not understand <laughs> these people having a relation. Tele- television itself will simply implode. Well, they're all, all sitting the- next to each other, but, I mean, which one is the bastard? There's which no one conflict. do I hate? <laughs> Every sentence has to further the plot. It's a shame. <sighs> That's a shame. We should put some sort of reality TV. It's a bit of a cliche to harp on about reality TV, but in Shame City, but, yeah, cliche and- is abundant. And until it ends, I will maintain this podcast as the last bastion against such abhorrent dropping of standards. And I think on that bold manifesto pledge... Are we going back? Well, no, I was going to say we should head out. We're coming up to an hour. Keep well, it I short and sweet. We've got the we've got our story. Oh, we, oh, yeah, but we'll have done an intervening amount of story, won't we? Just hold on a second, guys, while we work out the timing of when this episode's being released. Because Declan, tell, tell people why we're doing this one early. I've made that sound like you're in trouble. I, <laughs> tell people why. I'm going to prison for, uh, <coughs> for, for laughing at 9-11. <laughs> Britain Trump, has very strict hate speech. Donald Trump has come and you know, found me. I'm going to be put into yeah. one of Theresa May's vans and deported. Um, <laughs> no, well, we're doing this because we're both oddly busy. And yeah. I'm going on holiday. Yes. And Isaac's going on a holiday from everyone except his girlfriend. So, <laughs> so, uh, so we, we're, recall, we're banking a few. But this yeah. is, uh, unlike the title that we've put in cast, this is episode eight. So this, oh, is, is, this is coming after episode seven, as numbers dictate. Okay. So this is, we need the next segment. Well, okay, fair story. enough. So this is the consecutive next segment. Okay. Indeed. We return to so Tiffany. S- some um, notes on our last reading, having edited out some, uh, you know, it was it was solid. We had all the ingredients there, but we can do better, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think we need to preload some more dialogue, but we'll not read it, so that we don't have to wait for the stupid, because it tries to, for those who can't see, which is everyone except me, uh, my phone, it tries to pretend that it's a text message arriving, and that each time you tap a new text is kind of typed and sent. Yeah. We'll pop a little screenshot. Yeah. And frankly, I don't have the time to be fucking around no. waiting for Tiffany to I text don't. me back because she doesn't <laughs> exist. No. And I hate her. <laughs> if she did exist, I wouldn't respond she's to She's a which. fucking idiot. Um, and she's going <clears> to <throat> fuck up this whole situation. So to recap what we the had story so far. So far last time on That's a Shame. Here's some highlights. Don't go down there, Tiff. There's something about your father I haven't told you. Mum, there's a random baby crying <laughs> in the basement. And that's pretty much where we left. Uh, we left off with it telling me to tap to view image. Um, but in order to view this image, and I don't think there is one, uh, no. you have to pay. So yes. we're moving past that. 
And I think that will be what draws us to an end each time is that we reach a, a point where it won't let you have any more of the story because it exactly. knows that we're hooked. Our yeah. app is even called Hooked. There you go, you see. And God, that's what where a proposition. That comes from. <laughs> so Very clever. Indeed. Should we go from, uh, from Tiffany's last lines? Which was what? I'm going downstairs to check. Okay. OMG. Tiff- oh, this is different from mine. Am I uh, on Tiffany, please stay upstairs and wait for me? Yeah, I think this is where the uh, the image is. Okay. Oh my God, it's supposed to make me buy the image. I'm okay, not. don't be doing that now. No. Right, you're alone then, I think. I'm going downstairs to check. Tiffany, please stay upstairs and wait for me. Mum, I'm not staying upstairs. I want to know what's going on. You're so stubborn, just like your father. That's a callback. Yeah, you'll remember, listeners, that her father was referenced earlier. As potentially being in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Tiffany? It stopped. What? The the, the crying, it it just stopped suddenly. You've got an absolute monologue. (laughs) I'm putting my ear up to the basement door. It's totally quiet down there. (gasps) Absence of scary. Something doesn't feel right. Why would the crying just stop? (laughs) I don't know the answer to that, (laughs) replies mum. Do you know why there's a baby in the basement? (laughs) (laughs) Look, we'll talk when I get home. (laughs) What is mum's stance here? How far away from home is she? Well, this is the thing. I don't know that she's... Either that she exists, or maybe she's in the basement just having a bad day. Just having a little cry. And she doesn't want Tiffany to see her in this state. (laughs) She's just crying like a baby. (laughs) She's just like her father. They're both imaginary. (laughs) Mum, Tiffany really coming in with my thoughts here. Mum, why are you being so elusive? I want to know what the hell is going on. Soon. (laughs) <laughs> Simple reply there from mum. Now I'll I'll read the stage, stage direction. Appeared <clears throat> five minutes later, just like text messages don't say. Are you coming in or not? Huh? I'm still about twenty minutes away. That answers that question. Or does it? Didn't you just? Didn't you just pull up in the driveway? No. Why would you think that, Tiffany? You idiot. I I heard a car door slam about five minutes ago. That wasn't me. WTF? <laughs> it must be Dad. But why wouldn't he come in? It's not your father. How How do you know? I'm going to look outside. Please be careful, dot, dot, dot. The dot, dot, the ellipsis there makes it just sound like... Please <laughs> threat. Be, please be careful. It's... A white car. Boring. Wow. <laughs> really cutting to the heart of terror. I don't see anyone, though. So let's just recap that the horror thus far has been there was nothing in the basement, and yep, now there's so, no so one outside. Been, <laughs> there's been nothing. Then there was the highlight of the piece so far, a car door slamming five minutes ago. <laughs> Why did she think it... T- how long is their driveway that yeah. takes five minutes? She was just sitting there four minutes 30, four minutes 31. This is all normal. Mum normally takes five to get up. And now... They've tangentially started going on about this white car. My my character, Mum, replies, Is it a small white car? <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Dull. No tension. 
The man who murdered your father always drove your a small white car. Your dad was a small car. white car. <laughs> your dad was Brum. <laughs> Why? No, you've missed a line. It says, yeah. No, I haven't. What? He said, is it a small white car? I said, why? And then mum goes, just tell me, is it small? Are you joking? No. It's different from my one. I've got, is it a small white car? Yeah, looks to be. Tiffany, listen to me. Go back to your room. Well, Lock yourself I, in. I've, I've just got another, I've got another fucking tap to view image. And that's the end of this No, no, week's. no. I can keep going past it. Well, I don't know that we should. I think no, we're in no. a good place. This app is a fucking shambles. <laughs> what, I love this app. What's the point in everyone having a different story? <laughs> it's so that they can't discuss them because they'll be like, well, my one was shit, but apparently everyone gets a different one. So your one was probably great. Oh, I see. It's Brilliant. quite ingenious. Mine I'd was, like to say that I am hooked. My my Tiffany only asked about the small car once. <laughs> your Tiffany is not very curious. And it's that intellectual lack of curiosity that I think will lead to her untimely demise at the hands of at the hands random of her baby. father baby baby car <laughs> a small white father baby car yeah that's who's one. not in the basement but it's five minutes away at any what if moment. mum turned out to be the basement door what if mum and tiffany are actually reflections of the same person and it's just one text message between you because you know you can text yourself she's just high as fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well on that note i think this has been episode whatever it was can't really remember eight, eight if you say so <laughs> that's a shame. I've had a whale of a time. We've got into a lot of stuff. I hope no one... Uh, well, actually, no, I don't really mind. I was going to say, I hope no one thinks that we're being too harsh about their probable like of... Their statistically oh, yeah. probable like of Hamilton. Um, you like what you like. That's yeah. fine. I'm not going to attack you. But you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's always saying. That's our stance. <laughs> and we'll see you... Oh, no, we haven't plugged stuff. At That's a Shame cast on Twitter. If you, uh, I, I realise this is a dangerous time to plug iTunes reviews, <laughs> but if you feel inclined to drop us a five star, Lin Manuel, we'll, we if you're it listening, <laughs> LMM, just leave a little, leave a little note there, and we'll get you on. Um, but yeah, they help us out a lot, and we will love you for it. We'll read it on the show. We'll, we'll send you a sticker as well. I've yeah. just decided um, we'll make some and send them out. Email us. That's a shamecast at gmail dot com. Or if on you've got Twitter. any questions, topics, all yeah. of that. Yep. You can get in touch with either the show, as we've said, at That's a Shamecast, or with us individually. Yep. I'm at Cynical Declan and Isaac. I'm at Isaac BD. And we'll see you on the flip side. Have a lovely few days, guys. See you later. Simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife I'm in the bare necessities Oh, Mother Nature's recipes That bring the bare necessities of life For me, the bare necessities of life.
Come to you. 